We wanted to highlight the difference between a financial co-op and a bank. It's not profit-based, uh, it's much more based on, on the mission of promotion. Research projects from international standard-setting bodies remain essentially on, on joint stock bank uh, institutions. Uh, and, and the recommendations stemming out from these studies uh, we found may not be applicable to other types of deposit-taking institutions such as financial co-ops. Welcome to the podcast of IADI, the International Association of Deposit Insurance. My name is Bert van Rosebeke. I am the head of the IADI Research Unit at the IADI Secretariat in Basel, Switzerland. Today we have with us Julien Reed. Julien is working at the Autorité des Marchés Financiers, or AMF, in Quebec, Canada. And at the AMF, Julien is in charge of financial institutions, oversight, resolution and deposit insurance. Well, within the Yadi, uh, Julien is the long-standing chair of the Technical Committee on Resolution Issues for Financial Cooperatives. Julien, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Bert. A pleasure. Well, today we will be discussing some of uh, Yadi's recent work in the field of financial cooperatives. So just recently, um, at the end of last year, Iadi has published a guidance paper on ways to resolve a financial cooperative while keeping the cooperative structure. And also Iadi has been working together with international standard setters such as the FSB um, in this area. But maybe to start off and, and set the scene a little bit, Julien, um, maybe you can just give us a short introduction um, of what financial cooperatives really are. Yeah, well, thank you, Bert. Um, uh, it, it was, I, I guess, the first task of our technical committee. Um, we were trying to do, uh, define the scope of our future work uh, when we created the committee in 2014. And uh, so it had to start with a common de definition uh, of what uh, financial co-op would mean in, in diverse jurisdictions. So uh, the one we came up with in the paper, the first paper, is, uh, is that a financial co-op is a member-owned financial institution um, it is set up with the purpose of providing financial services, such as receiving deposits and making loans, but primarily to its members. So that's an important term. Uh, and in, in, in which the membership is often based on residence or other common bonds, um, and uh, where each member participates to some extent in the decision-making process. So basically, it, it, it's based on the, 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 the generality of, of one member, one vote uh, principle. So simply put, uh, we wanted to highlight the difference between a financial co-op and a bank, where in a bank you do not need to be a shareholder to be a client, uh, whereas in a co-op you have to be a member of that co-op to be a client. Okay, so if I understand it, it's not easy to give one common definition. Um, also, identical terms may have different meanings in different jurisdictions. Uh, is there some characteristics that are common to, to everything we call financial cooperatives here? Yeah, well, coming to your first part of the question, um, you know, the, the aim of the definition we had was to include uh, all type of financial deposit institutions that are defined in some jurisdictions as credit unions. We have Caisse Populaire, Cajas, Co-op Banks, or Banque di Credito Cooperativo in, in Italy, or building societies or mutuals in the UK. So 
Um, that was, as I mentioned, the first challenge. So yes, there is a real uh, diversity in, in names, but to try to capture that into one, one concept. Um, as with regards to the characteristics, we analyzed them in our first paper we published in 2018 on, on resolution issues for financial cooperatives. Um, there were many. I would maybe point out mainly the following ones that, in my view, uh, differentiate the, the financial co-op from a bank. So the first one, uh, principle of mutuality. Um, I think this is the basis, one of the basis of a financial co-op. So in, in general, uh, the mission of a financial co-op will be to promote the economic interest and the social and economic benefits of their members and customers. So it's not profit-based, uh, it's much more based on, on the motion of promo uh, mission of promotion. Um, the activities are founded on ideas such as uh, mutuality, solidarity, cohesion, ethics, or local uh, development. Uh, also, as, as mentioned before in the definition, uh, participation of members in the decision-making process. So this can be described as the essence of a financial uh, co-op uh, with the distinction that I just made uh, with regards to banks. Um, another uh, characteristic, I would say, is twofold. Uh, the role of umbrella organization, you will find in, in some financial co-op groups, the presence of an umbrella organization. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit later in the podcast. But uh, since uh, access to capital, to external capital, uh, is more difficult for financial co-ops, uh, sometimes they do create an umbrella organization that will enable them to offer a wider range of financial services and achieve their goals of satisfying the needs of maximizing uh, the welfare of their customers or members. Uh, and the last one I would say is common bonds. Uh, this is one thing that we found in uh, many uh, of the jurisdictions. And I would say basically under two major topics, uh, which is mostly geographic uh, bond, or also you can find in the workplace, which would be the employer or uh, trade association. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks. So I think this is helpful in understanding the differences between, between financial cooperatives and, and banks. Um, to gain an understanding maybe of, of the relevance across across the world. Um, so are these cooperatives equally relevant in all places in the world or, or is there places like hotspots for, for financial cooperatives? Um, I would say very different. Um, I would say, you know, basically on the historical uh, reasons, um, depending on, on where you're, 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 in which jurisdiction you will find those financial co-op, but also uh, it comes back to the basic of the financial co-op would be the economic purpose uh, that the uh, co-op may serve. Um, so uh, we talked about the, the, what they play in the uh, the role they play in the economic development, but especially in financial inclusion, um, where we found in in our studies that uh, you will find f financial cooperation uh, cooperatives. I mean, in jurisdictions that uh, are the only ones that will be found there. You will not find a bank, uh, but only financial co-op. So they do find uh, or they do play a role in financial inclusion. Um, but in other jurisdictions, these factors may not play as a, as a substantial role uh, as in others and, and where you find very large co-ops that are now uh, GSIBs uh, or, or, or DSIBs or DC fees, what we call the domestically important, uh, mm -hmm. systemically important financial institutions. So just to name a few in Asia Pacific, you will find Japan, India and uh, Vietnam that will stand out in Europe, Poland, UK, France and mm -hmm. Germany. Um, in the Americas, you will uh, find jurisdictions such as Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, uh, and the USA, but uh, in in my home uh, jurisdiction, Quebec or Alberta here in Canada. Okay. Okay. Turning to your work now in uh, in IADI, um, 
so um, the technical committee on, on resolution issues for financial cooperatives, so that's that's the committee that you chair, um, has been in place since 2018. And um, maybe you can explain us a little bit why um, why IADI has installed um, such a committee that is that is looking specifically at at financial cooperatives. Yeah, well, it's even longer than that, Bert. It's uh, 2014, so okay. time flies mm -hmm. uh, when you're having fun. So we started that in 2014. Uh, uh, but as of as of that year, um, we found that research projects from international standard setting bodies remain essentially on, on joint stock bank mm -hmm. uh, institutions. Uh, and, and the recommendations stemming out from these studies uh, we found may not be applicable to other types of deposit-taking institutions such as financial co-ops. Uh, so the different complex and unfamiliar resolution issues inherent to financial uh, co-ops have not yet been the subject of, in our view, comprehensive discussion or research within IADI. Uh, so this is where we started or initiated the, the, the discussions a few years earlier with uh, the executive uh, committee of IADI uh, to put in place such a uh, uh, such a technical committee, but uh, I would say more um, especially since we were at that time reviewing the deposit insurance core principles and uh, some members, including my organization here, the AMF Quebec, uh, we were faced with material mainly addressed to deposit insurers or resolution authorities that were resolution of, uh, responsible for the resolution of financial institutions with banking structures only. And I think we uh, hit a certain chord and, 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 and found that jurisdictions followed the same path because we were close to 20 jurisdictions that uh, joined the group of our technical committee with similar issues that we faced here at the, at the EMF in Quebec. Okay, so, so again, basically reflecting that cooperatives are different from from traditional banks again. Okay, well, yeah, well your, your committee has been very active on, on these resolution issues for financial cooperatives. And as I said, you, you just finalized the IADI guidance paper um, that has been officially approved now and published. Uh, and it's titled Ways to Resolve a Financial Cooperative um, While Keeping the Cooperative um, Structure. So what exactly was, was the aim uh, of that paper, of that, of that guidance? Um, I would say it's a, it, it started with a follow-up of our first paper uh, where we uh, not only addressed what financial co-ops are, uh, but also, you know, uh, differences in, in resolution issues. And uh, one of them that stemmed out was the, the, the question or notion of demutualization. Um, and, and it's not a resolution tool, but it's one, I would say, process used in some jurisdictions that they use to change the co-op structure into a, a, a capital stock structure. So at the end of the resolution, you will have uh, either a bank or a saving and loan company. So we, we asked ourselves, um, can you do a can you resolve a financial co-op and at the end keep pretty much the same structure so through the process um, so we decided to mainly uh, focus on non-systemic financial co-op uh, and, uh, and and where the resolution is taken in a broad sense and the ways to resolve a non-systemic financial co-op therefore would fall within the spectrum of measures taking I would say mainly during intervention so pre-resolution. So, so the main aim of the paper, uh, I could summarize it in this way. So it would be to analyze ways, tools or methods to resolve financial co-ops while keeping their co-op structure, taking account of past experiences of deposit insurers or resolution authorities or even uh, umbrella organizations or uh, internal uh, protection schemes, 
uh, and current developments within jurisdictions regarding the resolution of financial co-ops. And, and at the end, uh, what we wished for was to provide guidance mm -hmm. on that uh, that very topic. Okay. Okay. Well, when when we delve a bit in that uh, in that paper now in that guidance paper. Um, the first two guidance points um, of, of the paper, they aim at, at all jurisdictions. So regardless um, of the presence of, of an umbrella organization or an institutional um, protection scheme. And those guidance points, well, they, they cover um, early detection, uh, but also contingency planning. Um, maybe you can give us a bit of an explanation of, of what exactly those, um, those guide points, guidance points uh, cover. Yeah, well, uh, uh, as you mentioned, so we divided them, uh, the guidance points, in, into uh, two uh, two major topics. So the one is 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 would be applicable to all uh, deposit insurers uh, that are responsible of uh, the resolution of financial co-op, um, and, and the first two ones are regardless of the presence of a UO or IPS. So they they apply across the board. Um, as mentioned earlier, one of the characteristics that we found in some financial co-ops were uh, or was the presence of an umbrella organization or, as you mentioned, an institutional protection or stabilization scheme. Um, just maybe a small definition, but it, it's found in the paper. But basically, the, the uh, umbrella organizations, they provide its members with a variety of services, uh, which include representing the co-op uh, to the central bank, other banking system authorities, uh, and they also include financial assistance when capital requirements are not met or when liquidity is needed within a, a co-op. So it's kind of, the word says it, it's an umbrella organization. It, it sits above all the co-ops that are part of that group. So they will provide more capital and, 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 and liquidity throughout the system. IPSs are a bit different. They are defined as a contractual or statutory liability arrangement for a group of financial co-ops. And they are aimed at protecting the member institution and in particular ensuring the liquidity and solvency to avoid failure. So they, they basically play where they're found as a first line of defense. And they sometimes play a role where the DI will not have to intervene because the IPSs will have injected uh, mm -hmm. money uh, within the, the, the co-op groups. So avoiding failure at that point. Um, so basically the first two guidance points um, focus mainly, as you said, on, on intervention or early intervention and contingency uh, planning. Um, so what we came up with as a guidance point was that the deposit insurers that do have extensive responsibilities such as preventive action and risk minimization or management should have a robust framework for an early intervention and timely intervention for financial co-ops. Um, and, and such frameworks may help to avoid the failure of a financial co-op and help to find a way to merge it with another financial co-op before failure. So basically, everything that can be done prior to resolution by uh, joining or merging financial co-op uh, would be a good guidance. Also, um, deposit insurers responsible for financial co-op should participate in regular contingency planning and simulation exercises based on the wide range of scenarios with different particularities. Um, what we uh, found is that lessons learned during those simulation exercises could help DIs prepare for quick decision making and may compensate for lack of experience, which is something that we found uh, in our first paper is that you, uh, during the, the last financial crisis, uh, less financial co-ops failed compared to banks. 
So the lack of experience in resolution uh, is to be compensated, I would say, by uh, good contingency, uh, contingency planning and simulation exercises. Um, okay, the, the second part of the guidance paper um, looks specifically at, at those situations in which there actually is an umbrella organization uh, and an institutional protection scheme. So, so how is the guidance difference there and, and, and what exactly um, does the paper um, teach us there? Well, first and foremost, of course, uh, where you have coexistence of, of deposit insurers with UOs or IPSs, the objectives, mandates and powers of each organization should be clearly defined. Uh, we would be, we would say preferably in law regulation, but if not in agreements such as MOUs. Um, where there is legislation or regulations, um, it should give sufficient intervention powers to those UOs and IPSs to enable them to deal with issues faced by a weak financial co-op at an early stage or merge it with a stronger financial co-op. Um, those powers could also, uh, you know, be internalized, minimize the risk of failure of a weak financial co-op, and therefore reduce the cost of, uh, of uh, to, to the deposit insurer. So, as I mentioned a bit earlier, the role of first line of defense. Um, where those um, UOs and IPSs can be considered as a first line of defense, another guidance point would be that. Uh, uh, it would be important that the financial strength of the UO or the IPSs um, and, uh, and their actions regarding a specific financial co-op be monitored by the relevant authority. So if you're a risk minimizer, that's easier because you do have supervi supervisory powers. But if you're a, a, playbook, a paybox plus or loss minimizer, uh, these should be monitored with the relevant authority or the supervisory authority. Um, the DIs should be proactive in dealing with the emerging weaknesses in UOs and IPSs. They should include having an internal contingency plan in place to determine in advance how those uh, DIs might respond to uh, in any event that a UO or IPS is no longer uh, to uh, serve uh, as a first line of defense. Mm -hmm. Um, but notwithstanding everything, the, the DI should have the power to intervene when necessary. So it's not a question that UOs or IPSs play the first role and the DI is just a spectator. It, it has to be involved and intervene if necessary. Lastly, um, in jurisdictions where the powers of a DI uh, and or a UO allow it, um, purchase and assumption or which include merger and assumption agreements with a strong financial co-op could be considered among the preferred strategies to deal with a troubled financial co-op when the co-op structure is intended to be kept. So this is one of the tools that we found in our studies for the second paper that worked in many jurisdictions that used it. Uh, so we uh, decided at the end that to provide it as a guidance point to uh, those deposit insurers that are responsible for the resolution of financial co-ops. Okay. Thank you very much, Julian. It's a very extensive guidance, uh, I would say. So and I would invite all listeners to have a look at, at the Yadi website uh, where the guidance paper is, is uh, publicly available. Um, well, well, back in, uh, in October 2021, uh, Yadi and the uh, Financial Stability Board's uh, Resolution Steering Group, we organized a, a joint workshop uh, on exactly these questions and resolution issues um, for financial cooperatives. Uh, that was a workshop that you co-chaired and, and where the paper that we've just been talking about um, has also served um, as, as an input um, to that workshop. So what would you say were, were the results and or the outcomes um, of that workshop? Um, well, 
Firstly, it was a, my understanding is that it was a first joint workshop between IAD and the FSB, um, which, you know, I, I am and I, I think the technical committee members were very proud of um, to, uh, you know, we started small and then, you know, with the work that we've done, uh, we felt that um, now, you know, financial co-ops, as I said, uh, I think during during the workshop found their their place under the sun at, at one point. Um, and and while the focus of the interest for the FSB is mainly on systemic, uh, you know, GSIBs or systemic uh, SIBs uh, and bank uh, banks, um, there are in some jurisdictions uh, you will find co-ops that are systemic, uh, be it at a global level, you find them in France or, or domestic level, as it is the case, for example, here in Quebec. Uh, with one large co-op and you will find also, in, uh, for example, in Japan. Um, so the workshop discussed the concepts and preparation in a number of jurisdictions that should allow for orderly resolution of co-ops. So we had interesting insights from uh, uh, not only Quebec, but, uh, you know, from France also and the UK and, and, and Italy. So it, it, it brought a, a very interesting perspective on, on the ways uh, co-ops could be uh, resolved. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, at the end, what I personally took out from it is that it gave us a, a great opportunity to share the work done so far at IID on financial co-ops, uh, more particularly on, on non-systemic ones, um, but also along with other work that, is star that has been going on at the FSB level with, uh, on public banks and mid-sized banks. Um, it provided us a, with a great window uh, to exchange views with the FSB and, and the World Bank also and the IMF uh, on, on other type of, uh, of deposit-taking institution. Um, since, you know, the work that has been done so far at the FSB, and I think this was logical at the time with the, the, the financial crisis, had been concentrated, concentrated mostly on capital stock banking structures and, and globally systemic financial institution. Um, so at the end, I, I, I think and I hope uh, that it raises awareness on the role that financial co-ops play in, in some smaller jurisdictions uh, where banks may not be as active as in larger ones. So we'll see in the future and hopefully we'll do more uh, common work with uh, these two very important uh, international standard setters and, and organizations. Okay, well, well, speaking of, of uh, future work, so the workshop is done now, the guidance paper is out and published. So, so what's next? What is what is the future work uh, that one can expect the Adi to do uh, on on financial cooperatives? Yeah, well, I think you know, uh, very fortunate that the members wanted to continue the work. I think there is still uh, there are so, still some topics that need to be addressed through our technical committee, and 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 uh, you know, it, it's it's a great. Uh, group. The Technical Committee on, on Resolution of Financial Co-op is composed of great, great people, uh, very involved uh, people and, and the jurisdictions, you know, are very helpful in, in the work that we're doing. So we were fortunate enough to have uh, our parent committee and the EXCO uh, to extend uh, the mandate of our Technical Committee for another three years. Uh, so we are presently in the process of establishing our work plan. Um, a call for, uh, for topics was, was addressed to, uh, to the members. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not completed yet, but, you know, personally, I think and I hope that our technical committee will be able to play a role in the review of the DICPs that will start in, 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 in I think, in the next year. Uh, and it's going to be a great work that is going to be accomplished by the organization. And hopefully we can, you know, bring some flavor of the financial co-op world uh, within the review of those uh, DICPs. Um, we also, I, I don't think, will aim at having large research papers like we did. Uh, we will be aiming more at uh, more targeted topics through uh, briefing notes, 
Um, and, and just an example, I think the bail-in regime for financial co-op is something that has raised interest at EFSB and, and in some jurisdictions that are members of the TC. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I truly hope that we'll be able to continue to work more closely with the FSB, the IMF and the World Bank uh, on, on more uh, specific or targeted topics. So, uh, But I think we'll have a very exciting and, 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 and full three years of work uh, ahead of us. And I'm looking forward to uh, working with uh, my colleagues from the technical committee. Okay, thanks a lot, Julien. I think uh, you gave us a very good overview of the of the Yadi work on, on financial cooperatives. So let me remind listeners once again, the papers, the guidance paper is available online on Yadi's website and I can invite everybody to have to have a look there. Thank you very much, Julia, for your time today. Thank you for the opportunity and merci.